Welcome to electionspeakers.com, a nonpartisan analysis of the speaking skills of major political candidates and others affecting your voting decisions. Here are your hosts for electionspeakers.com, Lori Schloff and Dr. Dennis Becker. Hello everyone, I'm Dr. Dennis Becker, and this is electionspeakers.com, the place to hear unique critique of the speaking styles of candidates and others who are part of this year's presidential campaign. Today is November 1st. Uh, no, it isn't. It's September 1st. <laughs> so you how excited there I am. There goes the campaign. It's September 1st, Labor Day 2008, and this is the first day of the Republican National Convention. Maybe, because today, of course, we are also very concerned about Hurricane Gustav. Uh, anyway, joining me today around the round table here are a series of uh, professional speech coaches, and we have a special guest with us. But let's go around the table. On my right, our professional coach and author, Lori Schlaff. Welcome, Lori. Glad to be here as your co-host. Next to Lori is Ethan Becker, professional speech coach and soon-to-be author. Welcome, Ethan. It's nice to be here live, not on the phone or from a remote location. Yeah, first Finally. Time, first time you're with us live. That's right. <laughs> Normally, he's outside somewhere. And, and also joining us around the round table right next to Ethan is our professional speech coach, Laverne Gosby. Laverne, welcome. Oh, it's so good to be here. My first one. I'm first excited. time. Yes. I know. It's good to have you here. And an oldie but goodie. I don't mean that by age, <laughs> but by experience. <laughs> one of our favorite speech coaches, Law Lapidus is with us. Law. Thanks, Dennis. It's now, great Now, we to have be a here. lot to do today, so there's a lot to talk about from last week. It was a very busy week, and a lot of things happened. And, of course, this week is a, another busy week, so we'll get right to it. And we do have a special guest joining us today. He'll be with us in just a couple of minutes. Thomas E. Vaughn, prominent attorney from Chicago, was with us. And Thomas is with us because he was at the Democratic National Convention and is going to give us some interpretations and feelings about what the speakers were like live, how it felt to be there, the reactions, the questions, the comments that were raised live at the convention. Thomas will be with us in just a couple of minutes. So, Lori. Take us around the town, around the town, and around the round Thanks. table here. Thanks, Dennis. Uh, it's Lori. Uh, today we're going to focus, of course, on last week's Democratic National Convention in Denver. <clears throat> we'll be asking our panel of coaches who stood out to you as a great or a weak speaker. Uh, did Barack Obama, who's known as a terrific public speaker, deliver it in Vesco in front of eighty thousand people? We'll also, as you said, hear from Thomas E. Vaughn. He's a prominent Chicago lawyer. He attended the DNC, and he was an ear witness to the speakers we'll be talking about. First, though, we're all very concerned. Hurricane Gusto is terrifying us in the country and may be silencing the speeches at the RNC. I want to quote uh, the mayor of New Orleans, Ray Nagin, who is known for being blunt. And listen to how he put this. Listen to this language. You need to be concerned, you need to be scared, you need to get your butts moving out of here. A beautiful language in terms of building and creating the emotion that he wants to create. You know, before we get to the convention, I want to start first by talking about the woman of the week. It's not Hillary, it's not Michelle, it's not Cindy, but it's McCain's pick for vice president, Governor Sarah Palin of Alaska. Colleagues, and especially my female colleagues here, uh, Law and Laverne, what are your first impressions of Sarah Palin from a communication point of view, not about her politics? She has a very good command of the language, the speech. I watched her uh, for a few minutes um, 
when she gave her her speech after she, we were told that she was the person that would be running with McCain, and I thought she was excellent. We talked, we heard about her communication styles as well, and I'm very looking very forward to figuring out um, exactly how she can get us excited about uh, the RNC. So I was very disappointed in a sense that. We um, will not be hearing from her as soon as I thought. So we'll watch and see what's going to happen with the RNC. She yeah. could very well show up this week. Law, your your first impressions of Governor Sarah Palin of Alaska. I would I would jump on that comment of Laverne's and I absolutely agree. She's full of youth. She's full of vibrance in her speaking, power in what she says and how she says it. Uh, she's she's very much coming on board and bringing a newfound energy to McCain's platform that he really does need in terms of the language, the power, how it's said. Of course, goes without saying, she's very young and she's very youthful and she comes across that way. We can talk further about that as well. Okay, I'm gonna take a strong stance here about not her politics, but her communication. She is, in my opinion, this is Lori talking, our most prominent female natural communicator to come down the pike ever. She has very little artifice. She's comfortable sharing personal experience. She has a Rachel Ray voice. She's not working, working on deepening her voice. She's smiley. Women are finally allowed to be smiley. Doesn't seem like she needs to play it, like she needs to be in the boys club. Her hair's quirky as heck, but it's a sign of independence and not conformity. So even if you don't agree with your politics, Lots of people are agreeing. She breaks the communication mold for women. I'm delighted to see her on the scene. Guys, do you want to weigh in? Well, I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't necessarily think that all of those uh, quirky, uh, cutesy, sort of uh, hockey mom things are going to play well. It's nice, just like in the old George Bush days, it's nice to have that guy over for a beer and a barbecue. And she's nice for that. I'm sure she's great at the hockey rink. I have no idea what she's like yet. But those... But those things that you mentioned, to me, are not necessarily going to play well with those who take voting for a president of the United States, vice president, take it seriously. I don't think it's going to play that well. I, I think uh, the way she came, the way she struck me, vibrant, yep, energetic, yes. Uh, new is what, what struck me from a communication perspective. At the, at the, there, there, was, there was a pattern in the, in the speech that I found a little bit hypnotic. For me, uh, reading like it was reading a prompter, even though she was moving around, uh, that that struck a, a chord in me. But with that said, if I were coaching her, I would say more. I would say to practice, uh, relax a little bit, and um, and that would help her come out of her shell. Compared to Michelle Obama and Hillary Clinton, I think her communication. Uh, not even in the same category. Okay, let's move on, speech coaches of the roundtable. We've got to get into the convention speakers. Uh, it's been it's been a few days, so I'm going to ask my uh, wonderful colleague, Dr. Dennis Baker. Beck, Baker. <laughs> okay, you made a mistake. Uh, Dr. Dennis Becker, who I only have known for 30 years, to review for us what was the convention lineup. Then I'm going to ask each of my colleagues here, who stood out to you as the best speaker? What did you love about him or her? And did anybody stand out to you as a weak speaker below your expectations? So, Dennis, you were going to review for us the lineup. Well, we had a lot of speakers, obviously, mm -hmm. as you always do at these mm -hmm. things. I mean, I can remember from, I mean, let's face it, around this table, we've been coaching politicians and political campaigns for, I don't know, a good 40 years. We've been doing this for a long time. 
And there's a lot of speakers who are superfluous. They're there for no reason other than to be seen, get their name on it. You know, and most of them are really insignificant. Uh, this past week we had several of those. I'm not even going to talk about them. I think they're that insignificant. But there were a few that really stood out. Obviously, on the first night, Michelle Obama, incredible. Ted Kennedy, an amazing emotional uh, thrust into that, into that campaign. And by the way, that first night of the Democratic National Convention, McCain was on Jay Leno, The Tonight Show, trying to be very humorous, telling some so-called jokes. I mean, he looked a little uncomfortable with it, but same day, first day. On the second day, the big attraction, so to speak, was Mark Warner. He was the uh, keynote speaker. Now, here's a guy who, you know, I was incredibly disappointed about it in terms of a keynote speaker. We'll talk about him a little bit later. Followed him. He was followed by, do you guys remember who, got, who expected this guy? Brian Schweitzer. Holy crow, this guy had the place up on their seats. We'll talk about him as well. Then, of course, Hillary. What, a, what an incredible job she did. I think one of the best speeches she's ever given. When we get into the third night, Bill Clinton. Here he was. Guy looks like he never left. Just looks so comfortable up there, so effective. We could talk about why as we get in to talk about him. John Kerry was up, passionate, probably more passionate than he was when he was running. But he came out. And then the introduction of Joe Biden. Now, I was surprised by his son, Bo Biden. This, this young guy, attorney general in, in, in uh, Delaware, you know, a very articulate speaker guy who's on his way to Iraq after next month. He's in the National Guard in Delaware. Very good speaker. I was surprised. And then, of course, Joe Biden. Talk about a good speaker. This guy's a kind of a natural. He's got a lot of skills there, and we can talk a little bit more about him. And wasn't a surprise to have Barack come out afterwards. Everybody was surprised with that little visit. That was a nice touch. Then we had Al Gore the next night. Al Gore. Well, hello, Al Gore. This is a guy who's changed his speaking style quite a bit, and we know from way back when, when he first started to run, we actually did some coaching with that. Uh, but he's changed a lot. Dick Durbin came along. Here's one of the guys I could forget. He's a guy who was, you know, he was okay. He's a nice guy, perhaps, but introducing Obama. Happy and then we yeah, yeah, of course. But he, uh, you know, one of those typical political convention speakers, not much to him, I didn't think. But here's Obama, and that's the big speech. So let's start anywhere, Lori, you'd like okay. to. Okay. All righty. Um, let's go around the table. I'd like to hear from each of you a quick snapshot. Who stood out to you as a great speaker, an admirable speaker? What did you notice? And is there any speaker who stood out as weak and why? Ethan, let's start with you. Great speaker uh, from the week. Michelle Obama stood out for me. And actually, when I first started, I thought she was a little bit cold. Not cold as a person, but uh, cold start. But boy, did she warm up. And specifically, I'm referring to the ability to, uh, to match the delivery style with the words that she's using. It's really, really hard to, to do that when you're reading on a prompter to sound genuine. And I know I was given a hard time a moment ago to... Um, to um, Sarah Palin. Sarah, Sarah, yeah, I'm still, I'm still getting used to that. Well, she's but new. I, I, yeah, and I don't mean that in a negative <laughs> way. I just mean it's new. It's hard, hard, hard to do that. Michelle really did very, very well with that. She stood out. Obama's final speech, when I saw it was going to be 4,700 words, 45 minutes, I was mm -hmm. like, oh, man, come on. i got to go to bed. <laughs> he pulled me in. He pulled yeah. me in from an emotional side. It was the delivery of it that is a rare thing to see. We've heard those words many times, but to, to hear it in that way was refreshing, and that stood out for me. Great. 
Yeah, I also wanted to say in a couple of minutes, we're going to hear from attorney Thomas E. Vaughn, a prominent attorney in Chicago who was at the DNC. So after we hear from our speech coaches, we'll look forward to hearing from Thomas. You know, uh, let's talk about Michelle quickly. She, you know, I liked her a lot. She did a good job. There are a couple of things that I think she's got to be careful of. She's a, she seems like a natural speaker. But counting now, ten times in the time that she was up, she used the phrase, see it's, see, see it's. <laughs> Okay? Now, what is that? That's an effort to sort of colloquialize, to sort of conversationalize, to make me sort of comfortable and natural. It's okay. It's a great technique. But ten times, it got to be like Biden's, ladies and gentlemen, and McCain's, my friends. I mean, it's a little bit too much when speakers do that for me. But, Dennis, wouldn't, wouldn't you say, and this is a question based on what you just said, would you say it makes a difference if the speech is a habit, if it's something that's habitual, like McCain's My Friends? That's clearly a habit that he has formed over the years versus something that is intentional. It's a technique. And I'll bring up some, some sure. ideas from, from the Democratic Convention of what I thought was specific coach techniques, yeah. speech-wise. Does it make a difference for you? Well, it makes a difference, but the... I think the point is the reason it's a habit is because these folks become professional politicians for whom that's the way you talk. Okay. Trying okay. to get everybody to feel like they're Let friends. me give you an example Law, of, of... Law, could you weigh in on who you thought was a great um, convention speaker? Yeah, sure. And who sure. you thought needed some work? Sure. Well, of course, Obama, we all know this. I mean, to reiterate it over and over, but I must say it, he's a wonderful speaker. He's He captivates the audience. He's full of energy. He's full of life. And it's funny, there's this ongoing argument about whether he's good with impromptu speaking or not. And it seems like at times he is, and at times he's not. This past week in Dublin, Ohio, it's fascinating. I don't know if you caught it, but when someone fainted in the audience, which is becoming mm -hmm. a regular thing with rock star Obama, someone yeah. fainted in the yeah. audience, he turned right around, he jumped right on it. Yep. He said, that person's going to be okay, get them an EMT, and threw them a water bottle. Yeah, very I natural. I mean, it was so natural. Did not throw That's not easy to do, by the way. That's right. A live hard, speaker. Very yeah. hard to do. It looks easy on contrived on TV, so but in real I mean, life, have you ever done that? Press, not the, easy to I just want to jump in and say, the person who disappointed me, I didn't, I wouldn't call her a weak speaker, she's very strong, but who disappointed me was Hillary, and I'll tell you why. She spent, and I actually timed this, she spent more minutes in her speech building herself up her own experience, her own credibility. Then she did Obama's, and at this point, with her language, she has to be strategic about which direction that language is going to go in, towards her or towards Obama. And that told me the nonverbal message that they, that gave me was she is not on board yet. She is not on board yet fully. Right. Well, emotionally, I'm sure that it was tough for both mm -hmm. her and Bill. Laverne, um, oh, I just love Michelle Obama mm -hmm. from the beginning mm -hmm. to the end, and she had that passion. You could see it. She had the hand gestures that were needed to get the crowd excited, and I, I thought she did a great job. I also enjoyed uh, hearing Bo as well as Bo Biden. Yes, as Dennis had mentioned, he was great and had a lot of passion. Got the crowd excited before his father came in. It was great, and this is the first time I had actually heard him speak, so it was great for me. And Obama, when he came in, yes, it was long, but he was very, very good. I had uh, talked about his speech versus Clinton's, and he had an an excellent speech. There were parts that were just as 
good as uh, clean as in my opinion and parts where you know he can use a little practice there but one thing I was concerned about was after Michelle's speech when the, the, his kids went up his wife Michelle was there I was concerned about the conversation and when we talk about impromptu speaking what was happening with him perhaps he was tired but I was a little concerned there I was glad that that was very short Hillary yes I was I enjoyed her speech but I do believe that she needed to show more inflection for example and uh, she got the credit excited she always has but yeah, she a has help was needed there. We speech coaches call her inflection a patterned inflection. Every sentence sounds similar to the sentence before. It's not that she's not interesting, it's that she's similar to herself and therefore not surprising. Thomas Yvonne, I know you are not a speech coach. You were at the DNC, you're a prominent attorney from Chicago. What struck you? What was the mood like at, at, in the hall? And who stood out to you as a great speaker? Well, uh, I don't know how much of the uh, convention was broadcast, but the speakers that uh, uh, struck me the hardest were the, uh, the average people, the people that we don't normally come in contact. There were a half dozen or so individuals that uh, represented uh, just average citizens throughout the country that spoke, and the passion that they shared their stories uh, it was electrifying, just basically describing uh, how they felt about where the country is right now and the personal uh, challenges that they face as a result of where we are. That was that was very touching. And there was a general officer whose name escapes me at the moment that represented 15 or 20 uh, uh, top military uh, persons that really uh, gave a good speech. He didn't appear to be speaking from notes. And uh, he, he had the crowd just in awe, uh, talking about uh, why uh, they were Obama supporters. Um, and many of these uh, officers were either promoted or advanced in the military while serving under uh, Republican administrators. So those speeches were uh, the ones that hit me the hardest. Uh, from the named individuals that you, you brought up, um, the, the pleasant surprise for me was Al Gore, because mm. I'd always recognized Al as a somewhat stiff, matter-of-fact kind of uh, uh, speaker. But uh, he was he was loose, and uh, he even had a, uh, a good punch one-liner in there about recycling and how it, uh, uh, the Republican agenda was uh, was recycling is something he believes in, but what they're doing is ridiculous, and. It, it was just a surprise to see him, you know, make that kind of a comment, uh, witty comment that uh, uh, we don't normally expect to come from. from yeah. Excellent comments, and thanks for reminding us about the average person who, who moved you. I have a question. When you saw the, the um, conventioneers on television, some of them didn't seem to be paying attention at all. What, what's it like there? Are people walking around? Are people paying attention? Well, the... the the process leaves a lot to be desired in terms of comfort. Uh, it, is, it is very demanding. It is a long process to get into uh, the convention uh, hall or the, uh, uh, to get into Invesco Field. Uh, and many individuals, especially those of us who are middle-aged, uh, experience fatigue just getting there because 
commitment uh, just to to hear the uh, the evening speakers. Um, so what you're saying is that, okay. Mm -hmm. I think that uh, some individuals were only there mm -hmm. uh, to hear a particular speaker or uh, to hear uh, the candidates' speeches. So. Uh, and after a week, I can understand how it's, it's very hard to focus on everyone that, that uh, uh, gets the microphone. Right, so there's a lot you go through just to get into the hall. It was horrific, to uh, put it mildly. Uh, but for the fact that uh, I don't know if I will attend another one, I probably <laughs> would have uh, gone back to the hotel and just watched it on television because we arrived at Invesco uh, approximately 2.30 in the afternoon. And uh, didn't didn't get into uh, the stadium until 5:30. We spent three hours around the corner, up the hill, down the hill, oh back goodness. through uh, another uh, corridor that was slightly barricaded uh, before we reached the scanners, the security scanners. So, so it when was, we, it when was quite a challenge. Amazing. So when we see energetic conventioners on television, <laughs> they're they're really putting on. Uh, you know, a good front for the camera because they've been through a yeah, lot. They're, they're probably very young. <laughs> yeah, you're funny. You're funny. Well, Attorney Thomas Yvonne, um, an attorney from Chicago and someone who went to the DNC, thank you so much for joining us today. Okay, thank you. Really, for really me. appreciate it. Ethan Becker, one of my wonderful colleagues, um, you said that some folks who were listening to electionspeakers.com had an observation about commentators and their own opinions about speakers. Yeah, it's interesting. I've actually I've been hearing this from a lot of my clients uh, asking me, you know, how when they watch they watch a presentation, they watch a speaker or speech, and they when they're done, they take away a particular message, and then when they change the channel and they go to one of the networks, they listen to the commentators, and they say to themselves, did that person even watch the same speech as me? And if you remember, we've, we've talk, we talk about this at every election, the difference, and I'd, I'd throw this out to the table as to folks can want to chime in. How, it is it, how is it that that phenomenon happens that for our listeners, for the benefit of our listeners, why is it that when you watch a speech and someone else watches a speech, you watch the same speech, the same speaker, but you're taking away completely different messages and Dennis well I mean it's no different in a political convention than it is in a, a, a meeting or a town meeting or a committee meeting or a parents group or a family group people have filters listeners have filters through which not only sound but ideas must pass and those filters you know are, are in the political world commonly referred to as liberal or conservative or whatever and when you say something it goes through that filter and depending on how it comes out the other end, your interpretation of that then becomes what we hear. So it's the same thing with the commentators on TV. And that's same the nickname thing. everybody has given. It's called spin. Spin. Like that's, I mean, that's what, yeah. when you hear spin, but that's what's happening. And this can apply, you can tie this into your work environments the same way. Companies do the same thing. It's just there's more pathos involved in politics. Yeah. Laverne and Law, you spend a lot of time with people and deal with their perceptions of speakers and helping shape their skills as speakers. What are your thoughts about Well, when, we're working, when I'm working with a client, um, what we're talking about here is, I would commonly call it frame of reference, that whenever you get up and talk, and it doesn't even have to be a formal speech, it can be over the telephone, it can be meeting in the hallway, it can be in the cafeteria, the person who is listening to you 
comes from a frame of reference, meaning they bring their entire background with them, their gender, their religion, their age, their socioeconomic status. They're all of these items really come into account when they stop and they listen to what you have to say. And so it is interpreted differently based on the listener. And no two listeners are alike, and that's the excitement of it, but it's also the intense challenge of it when you're talking to a huge audience. Uh, let me add one more thing to also, and I know LeBron wants to jump in, but the other, the other area that's mechanical about this is, is from my understanding and from what, you, what I see and what I know, a lot of the commentators on TV are reading the speech as opposed to they're listening to it live because they get copies of it. And, and I like pointing this out because it's a really strong testimony to the power of the nonverbal communication that we do, the inflection, the tone in our voice compared to the words themselves. And it's why somebody can argue strongly, did you hear that she said that? She said it, didn't she? But when you're watching it, you're thinking, but wait, that's not what she meant. What do you mean that's not what she meant? That's what she said. And it's the difference between getting the, the inflection and everything. When this is what we work so hard on with our clients to make sure they get it. They understand how to match the inflection with the words. And how attentive are they? We talk about that at TSIC. Are they getting ready to listen speech to that speaker? <laughs> so um, let's, let's pay attention to that as well. Pay attention. And you get different things from it when you're actually heavily involved. You want to listen to that speaker and see what that person has to say. It's all, Pat, well, Pat, last quick, real quick. It's also one reason why, I know I'm just cutting everybody off, but it's also a reason why I, I, I think a lot of people are saying the speeches last week were really powerful. It's not just the message, but the, the, the particular speakers were able to really deliver it. What we've seen so far at the RNC, we haven't seen it yet. I haven't. I hope I do. It'll be nice to see that level of emotion and passion of matching the way we say it with the words. And hopefully we do. Folks, I want to get onto a brave topic. How do we communication coaches talk about these issues of race and gender in the right way? What's a, a way that our listeners can frame looking at race and gender in terms of observation and whether or not it can, should, will impact votes? Well, it Dennis? will, it will, and it does. I mean, there isn't any question about it. We mentioned a few minutes ago that why do people hear things differently because of the filters and the spin? Well, you got to be realistic about it. There is still race and gender. There are still race and gender as key issues in life, not just in this election. So is there, a, in my view, is there a, a, a reason why people like Hillary or like Barack or don't like Hillary or like Barack? Sure. And I'm sure there are some folks in, in our country who still will vote for Hillary because she's a woman will vote for Barack because he's black, or not. To me, and they're still they're there, but to me, of course, those are very weak reasons to vote for somebody for such an important position as President of the United States or Vice President. Yeah, it's Lori here, but I thought in our field, appearance matters. Laura, do you want to weigh in about this? I, I do, actually. Topic? I'd like to look at it from a generational perspective as well, because... Barack did something very fascinating to me. I caught it, I loved it, but I'm sure I could sit with my team and argue about it all day, whether it was the most effective technique or not to use. And that was, if you were watching his speech this week, he, he had Joe Biden sitting right next to him, and he was building up Joe Biden. As his, uh, and he started two chants at two different times. The first one was, 
O-H-O-H-O-H. That stands for Ohio because he was in Dublin, Ohio. The second one came a few minutes later. Biden. 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 And my comment on this, I loved it. I had a fun time with it. But it's very generational to use that technique of a chant to get the crowd in and get the crowd excited. What, what generation? What generation? I think it's a, I think it's a so few generations. It was certainly yeah. my younger. generation, which was Generation yeah. X, but it goes way back, probably to the fifties. Okay. Well, I say, when they I introduced, but when it's very specific Sarah, techniques. They, the, the crowd did Sarah. Sarah. They did. McCain did not do it. The crowd did. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. And I like when we're talking about um, the, the diversity and variety that it takes to the table. I like that seeing women and men and uh, people of color. And this RCA and DNC. All right, how about Barry Schweitzer? We can't leave without talking about Barry Schweitzer, the only guy who had him on their feet. This guy, I thought, maybe the best speech of the whole thing. Not talking about politics, but this is a guy as a speaker who, you know, at first I thought, look at this guy. He, he's dowdy. He's swaying back and forth. He's shouting. But all of a sudden, they were with him. They Brian Schweitzer, governor of Montana. Yes, yes. The guy really got them on his... He, he went off cheering. They were on their feet. I thought this guy was a great speaker. And also, very, very strong use of rhetorical redundancy, where he would take the same phrase and bring it back in thematically throughout the speech. I think we're going to see a lot of that, too, in the RNC in the upcoming weeks. Several okay. people and you know tried who, it and not very good at it. Right. And right, you know who's right. great at that? Michelle is great at that. She'll go through an entire speech repeating the same words over and over again until it becomes her theme. Very, very powerful technique. Okay, we're almost finished. Could everybody weigh in five seconds what to look forward to, losing my voice here, <clears throat> at the RNC. Very interested in seeing Sarah uh, Palin. Beautiful. That's your theme. Yep. <laughs> Give me her. passion. Give me passion. Make it work. Practice. Practice. Relax. Yeah, I'd speakers. like to hear it be real. I'm so sick and tired of for 40 years hearing the same old inflection pattern, the same old stop yes. for applause line. And for goodness sakes, let's hope that their keynote speaker is better than the Mark Warner guy. He, I thought he was the <laughs> keynote speaker like Mark Warner. He was dull. He was you dull. like him. I'm excited to hear the rock star energy of the convention coming up, and I'm looking closely at McCain. I'm looking closely as he changes and grows in his communication style. I'm very excited to watch and listen to him. Okay, let us let me say that we are all thinking about the folks in, in, are in the New Orleans area. Uh, we have our voices for a reason. Let's lend our voices. Let's lend our hand to those who need help when needed. Enjoy the RNC, whatever form it ends up in, and we'll we'll hear you, listen to you, and talk with you Great. next week Thank on electionspeakers.com. Lori and Ethan, Laverne Law, great session today. Remember, those of you who are listening in, if you'd like to comment, don't hesitate. It's simply comments at electionspeakers.com. Let us know what you think. We've been getting res uh, responses, reactions, replies from all over the world. So don't hesitate. Comments at electionspeakers.com. Next week, the Republican National Convention. Until then, this is Dr. Dennis Becker saying thanks for listening and bye, bye for, for now. now. You've been listening to electionspeakers.com, a nonpartisan analysis of the speaking skills of major political candidates and others included in the 2008 U.S. presidential elections. Electionspeakers.com is posted every Monday.